We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC and Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's the Choir Boys! And our panel, Tommy Dean, Rebecca De Unamuno and Anthony Aykroyd! And our audience this week from Mombo, Blackheath, Wollongong, Piermont, Tumbiumbi and to Rogie! But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. The northern winter is long and depressing. There are endless periods of enforced idleness and much of daily life takes place in total darkness. Insanity is common as are suicide and alcoholism. Perhaps this explains the sports featured in the Winter Olympics. (laughs) All of which seem to involve new and ingenious ways of throwing yourself off a mountain. Imagine... You're in, say, northern Siberia, and it's February. No one has seen the sun for months. And so Ivan climbs to the top of the highest mountain he can find, puts on his beloved skis, and throws himself off. It's so cold. It's so boring. The vodka has all gone, and he's just thinking, I want to die. Miraculously, he lands upright on the skis and glides safely to the bottom. His death attempt has tragically failed, but he's just created the ski jump called the aerial. (laughs) His friend Vladimir sees what happened to Ivan and is determined that his own bid for the sweet embrace of death will not fail in a similar way. His vodka ran out weeks ago. He only has two potatoes left in his pantry. His wife ran off with a holidaying truck driver from Spain. So Vladimir takes no chances. He goes to the top of the mountain, straps himself onto a small metal cafeteria tray, (laughs) then hurls himself off the mountain. The winter is long, he mumbles through ice-chapped lips, but death will be quick. Three minutes later, horrified, he finds himself at the bottom of the mountain, alive, safe, and having invented the sport they call the skeleton. At a meeting that night, the citizens try to work out why people are throwing themselves off mountains and yet constantly surviving. Ivan has a brainwave. They may be surviving, he says, because they can see where they're going. He suggests throwing oneself off the mountain feet first, one's body strapped flat onto a board so one cannot see the track ahead. The next day, Vladimir gives it a try and finds himself at the bottom of the mountain, shaken but alive. Unbelievably, yet another Olympic sport has just been invented. They call this the luge. The village now breaks into mass insanity. There's still nine months of winter to go. No vodka left. Barely the smell of some borscht. More handsome Spaniards have come and departed with anyone good-looking. Yet the previous trusty methods of ending it all are failing. The villagers take a vote and decide they'll just have to shoot each other. Arming themselves with guns, they strap on their skis and stomp up the mountain, blasting randomly in both prone and standing positions. Some work in teams, some individually, while others blast while in pursuit. 
Tragically, no one dies. The villagers return depressed but alive. They discover they have just invented the biathlon. <laughs> Some I know will argue that not every event in the Winter Olympics is life-threatening. They will give the example of, say, figure skating, to which I will respond by mentioning Tonya Harding. <laughs> they may then give the example of curling, to which I will respond that death from boredom is still death. <laughs> I struggle to imagine the moment the sport of curling was invented, the Russian farmer inviting ten friends over to play carpet bowls, then realising he didn't have any bowls nor any carpet. Even finding ten friends was hard going. But he did have some large rocks and a frozen pond, so maybe the seven who turned up could push the rocks from one end to the other and then back again. Ah, Yuri, his friends will all say, break out the potatoes. One snowbound village, and now we've invented all the sports of the Winter Olympics. And that's the news from nowhere. Uh, Tommy Dean, Rebecca, um, Anthony, welcome. Given the nature of the world we live in, uh, are we required now to say, uh, if any of you out there are contemplating inventing your own sport for the Winter Olympics, (laughs) please contact Lifeline. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just as a point, Richard, yes. uh, curling was actually created in Scotland. Is that right? Yes. Mm. You can imagine two mad Scots going, Jimmy, push that rock along that sheet of ice. Pick up those two pair of wee broomies and go mad with them. <laughs> it's a weird sport, isn't it? It's well, the only sport we- I know of that, that involves That was a weird accent. <laughs> <laughs> and in figure skating, don't forget, they have a manoeuvre called the death spiral. Uh-huh. That's uh, a great In one. curling? I should have worked that no, no, in figure skating. Oh, right. uh, now we gotta, we I'd gotta, love to see it in curling. I would love to see it in curling. <laughs> yeah, the death spiral. <laughs> Before we go any further, we have to check that you're all up with the news, the breaking news. Who has hung up his very large hat? Oh, Barnaby, Barnaby, Barnaby. How are you feeling, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah! yeah! <laughs> Piss off, Barnaby. Yeah! <laughs> That's amazing. Let me point out that the town of Armadale gets this broadcast, <laughs> and I'd advise you that you might be speaking directly to him. <laughs> I'm sure there's seventy percent on my side, but anyway, um, I don't, he's, he's left so much damage, hasn't he, behind him, Barnaby? There's a lot of angry politicians who no longer can have sex with their staffers. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're, oh, they're the collateral damage, are they? <laughs> you spot it for everyone now, Barnaby. But I was deeply moved by Malcolm Turnbull's emotional reaction to uh, the tears he shed. Over it was basically, yeah, bugger off, Barnaby. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the arse on the way out. But, uh, <laughs> and Barnaby went into the, you know, the noble guy. You'd have a go at me, but not my unborn child. And then, of course, he started blaming people. I blame the leakers. You know, I think Barnaby did some excessive leaking himself. <laughs> Which may have had some repercussions. Uh, That's an image you'll have to live with, ladies and gentlemen. This is not pretty, is it, Rebecca? No, it's not. And that's the thing. I I haven't slept since news of his affair broke because every time I close my eyes, I can see it. And I I am, like, two weeks now straight. I have not closed my eyes. It's not. It's burnt into my... I haven't even seen it. I've just visualised it. Which which position are you seeing? (laughs) See again. No. It's flashbacks. I'll be doing this until I'm 80. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I I say... Farewell. I, I, I do wonder what will now happen as a snowball effect of this. I do wonder now that Barnaby's been caught out 
and he's now resigning. What, how many other people might have a few little mm-hmm. secrets come out of the filing cabinet? Well, of course, this as is it the, uh, people have made this serious <laughs> point. The problem about the Prime Minister putting this in the law and saying you're not allowed is that then the journalists really are emboldened. In Absolutely. fact, they're almost required to search it out. That's exactly right. So, and I mean, like every campaign that has been started as a result of the Harvey Weinstein um, uh, debacle, uh, and and likewise, it's all had flow-on effects. It's all had trickles. The the water spreads. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the leakers again. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yes. uh, I don't take a lot of pleasure in a man's downfall, but as he brought it on himself. Uh, I don't follow politics closely, but uh, in this particular case, the part that I think that amuses me the most is it's the classic sitcom moment, uh, which is always edited for comedy, so in real life it played out far too slowly. Uh, but he spent all last week saying, uh, the people of Armadale are behind me, the Nationals are behind me, the story is behind me, I'm going to continue on doing what I do. Shh, shh, I quit. <laughs> yes. What? The classic sitcom turnaround. So, so. <laughs> well, two days ago he gave a, a, an interview to Fairfax which said, stop covering this story. In this interview, I'm giving to you about the story, (laughs) (laughs) and it's it is difficult. I just I think I feel mostly concerned for his new relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, which one can't help but think that you know she was you know possibly drawn a bit to the deputy minister, Mm. and now now it's just Barnaby. The sexual My point is, I am hoping for the sake of all of them, there is a lot more there than just a torrid office romance. I hope it truly is love, and I wish them and their son all the best. I think deputy, sheriff, cowboy. No, you don't. don't think that at all. Another image, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) She'll never sleep again. Wear my spurs. Uh, Okay. Who who implored... uh, Oh, actually, before that, who sported... Who sported some criticism of Australia's... Anglo parents. Mm. Anglo-Saxon well, this is a, this is parents. This interesting story. This is um, apparently uh, former education minister, Adrian Piccoli, says that um, according to the NAPLAN results, he's saying that um, children from non-English speaking backgrounds are outperforming uh, those from English speaking households in the NAPLAN scores. Even in English? In English. I know. What? I know. And this is, um, and, and they reckon that he thinks that maybe it's got to do with the fact that um, parents only really get excited when their children achieve something. Anglo parents only get excited when their children achieve something in sport, mm. which is interesting. Mm. But this is quite close to home for me. As somebody who has the surname that I do and my dad is from a, a country that is a non-English speaking country, um, every year when I was in high school, from year seven all the way through to year 11, I think, my brother and I would get called down to the front office once a year, maybe sometimes twice, to sit English competency tests mm. based purely on our surname. I was born in Australia. My mum was born in Australia. English was my first language, but they just looked down the role, obviously, and went, oh, foreign. Yeah, clearly oh, so inept. that's why you're so good at that's it. They get extra <laughs> testing. Oh, I thought that's it was right. I was able to dumb. repeat what was in the first, second, and third line back. It was extraordinary, extraordinary. So, I think maybe because of that, maybe there's a lot of students from non-English speaking backgrounds that feel they have to work a little bit harder to disprove the labelling that they've been labelled mm. with from the start of their schooling. Perhaps. So I think all the discrimination true. was just. Well, it was meant to help. (laughs) I think there's something we can learn here, though. I mean, if if Australian parents are getting excited when their children achieve something in sport, we need the same approach to every other subject, like English. You know, so, right, 
want you to run to that library and tackle Ulysses. <laughs> want you to tear that Irish woofter Joyce apart. <laughs> no, not Barnaby son. No, James. Ulysses is about a sex-obsessed loser. Nothing to do with Barnaby. I want all these metaphors, symbols, ambiguities and overtones ripped out and scrutinised, comprende. Now let me hear you. Dublin, Dublin, Dublin. Joyce, Joyce, Joyce. Dublin. <laughs> Spontaneous round of applause? Yeah! <laughs> Tommy, you I'm think... not too proud to beg, Richard. Hey, are you, are you, are you, do you think Australian parents of a, of a sort of Anglo, uh, in the Anglo tribe, are too sport-obsessed to encourage their children in anything else? Here, I think, uh, I don't... Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> but I don't think that the focus isn't particularly sport. As a parent of children who are themselves sport-obsessed, uh, as the parent, uh, what I find is we appear to be more supportive of their sporting endeavors um, because they have a sausage sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a parent-teacher meeting <laughs> where I could choose onions or not <laughs> on my sausage sizzle. So I think they're letting us down there, is, is where it comes down to. We've got some moving curling also, yeah. sausage sizzle. And I think that, you know, there's an assumption that we know, I, you know, that they've changed things. Like, I try to help my daughter. She's in grade eight now. Uh, she has math, and I, I did okay at math. I know the yeah, plural yeah. here. But in the singular math that I studied, <laughs> I, did, I did all right. Uh, I can make change, uh, is my point. Um, but they've changed the system. The system's changed. So she shows me the algebra problem that she's dealing with, and I can solve it the way that I was taught to solve it, but then that makes no sense to her. So then I have to learn a new system. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's it's like kicking, to kick a football is a kick that a football. That has never changed. Yeah. It has never changed. <laughs> kick it! Kick it! <laughs> Universal. Universal. <laughs> who, uh, last question for this week's news. Who implored the world, at least uh, those born since 1970, to never say die? Uh, I know about this. Is that uh, the futurist? Yeah, yeah. Ian, someone? Big, Ian big, big coverage. Pearson. And he reckons he can print up parts of our body uh, through 3D printing. We'll be at home and we'll just print up a part of our body and we can live forever. Yeah. Who's into that? He, he says that <laughs> the techno- by, not, by 2050, the technology is going to be so good that you can just perpetually replace the body parts so you live forever. You've got to get to 2050, though. Okay? Ah, well, a, I don't think people have catch. thought this through, though. I mean, live forever? Think about that. You know, I mean, um, wouldn't, wouldn't we all get very jaded and very bored and we'd hear ourselves saying things, you know, as a middle-aged man that maybe you wouldn't say normally, such as, ah, oh, not sex again. Oh, God. Oh, this has been going on for hundreds of years. And, uh, I'm out. I've got no yeah. positions. I'm, you know, that, that, that's it. And, you know, be having a birthday party and um, your significant other said, so, like, you know, I can't You'd have bothered. been through 10 of the body parts. I'm not going to put 3,270 candles on a cake. No, forget it. <laughs> and everyone would live forever. You think, oh, I'd live forever. Everyone, you know, that relative that you hate and you think, she's got to die one day. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Auntie Emma, come in. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, I just printed up a, a new liver. That's fantastic. <laughs> Plus, Donald Trump would live forever, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it. Oh, it's not a good thing. 137-year-old Barnaby Joyce today announced it. 
the but birth I, of his 3,000 years. The idea is neat, but I think we have to remember uh, how we have worked with and adapted to technology so far. Uh, so even if this comes to fruition, mm -hmm. I don't believe many of us will survive anyway. Um, there, there's an entire generation that lived through VHS and never knew how to program the clock. <laughs> It was always 12 o'clock, yeah. wasn't it? Always 12 o'clock. <laughs> and you'll have that. I think what'll happen is you'll, you're, you have to, like, you're going to have to go to your kids, and you're like, Daddy can't snap his arm back on. <laughs> Come on, I spent all that money on Lego. <laughs> but I never played with you. I should have played Lego with you. So I should snap it back together. But if you just snap Daddy's... Please snap Daddy's arm off. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering if it's possible to get other people's body parts... Like, I'd happily swap, like, Sally Pearson's abs for mine. I'd, yeah! I'd like um, Kylie Minogue's butt. I'd like legs, just any legs, because mine are way too short, way too short. So I'm just is, hoping... What, what if you could, like, mix and match yeah. your apparel? Like, you know, like, they used to have those books where you'd have, like, the top, the face, and then the midsection mm. and the bottom half. Remember those? Yeah. yeah, you could just flip through, like, a catalogue, mm. press print, mm. bingo. Oh, it's a bit... But it's it's like, a little bit weird science, isn't it? I think I've just described it. If it's like, it's, if it's like my printer, it will never work. <laughs> yeah, lose connection all the time. Imagine how much the ink is going to cost. <laughs> but also, if you replace all your... It's a bit like, if, it's a bit like the hammer, the, whole, the old story of the hammer. If you replace the handle five times and the head four times, is it still the original hammer? So if you've taken Tommy Dean and put a new liver in and mm. then new lungs and yeah. then a new brain mm. and then replaced the hair with even weirder hair, mm. is it still him? <laughs> True. You had to bring up here, did you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At long last. Now, uh, Tommy Dean, Rebecca de Unamuno, and Anthony Ackroyd are here. Anthony yes. has just set up a new thing called Feel Betterer. Look it up online www.feelbetterer.com. Yes. .com. A bit of positivity in the world. Exactly, we which, we, yes. which we need. Um, now, this, this first story is a little bit like Helen's pole dancing story, uh, actually. It came up in the news about two days ago. That the, the Chinese government has moved to ban the practice, apparently common in rural areas, of hiring strippers to perform at funerals. The idea is that the strippers bring a crowd of friends and family, which brings honour to the deceased because there's hundreds of people at the funeral. Fair enough. But if strippers are now banned, what attractions would get more of your relatives, friends and family to your funeral, Rebecca? Oh, there's a joke that's popped into my head as soon as you were talking about this story. And I'm just debating whether or not I can say it. So moving on. Um, <laughs> Is it you usually have a stiff at a funeral? Well, it was going to be. <laughs> it was going to be now there will no longer be more than one stiff in the room. Yeah, yeah, yes. Not see, bad. That's there. We see, I'm good. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank yeah, you yeah. for allowing me to say that. I feel better now. Um, oh, look, I'd really love um, to have one of those old school comedy roasts, you know, like Dean Martin's old comedy roasts. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they get people, all the people that knew and worked with them get up and roast them. And that's just before I'm cremated. I just think that would be the perfect funeral. So it's a roast can, followed by a, a roast. A roast, roast followed by a roasting. I think that's now for the ultimate roast because I always like to have the final say, you see. So then I go out my way. Uh, I'd like, I'm sure all my muso friends would be jamming, you know, just making songs up.
up. My improvising friends would be desperately throwing offers at me, hoping I accept them when I can't. <laughs> and I have to let them know it'll be the ultimate block. That's uh, for all my improv buddies out there. Um, you know, and my stand-up comedian friends will all be sitting around comparing who's got the most gigs that week, so nothing will change. Um, it'll, just be, it'll just be fun. There has to be laughter, heaps of dancing until the wee small hours of the morning in honour of me, because that was always my calling card. And uh, drink more than your body weight and still wake up and go to work the next day. That's uh, my plan for my funeral. That sounds like a yeah. funeral. We'd like to attend, but not for a long time yet. Uh, Anthony Aykroyd. Um, well, like, like Rebecca, most of my friends are performers and um, I love uh, Rebecca's um, kind of rosy take on how those people would behave. Um, I don't see it that way because I know my friends. <laughs> and <bet> um, <laughs> if strippers won't attract them to a funeral, a microphone and a stage will do the job. So I'll be there. You know, I'm, I'm actually dreading my funeral uh, because I'll be there in spirit form, in pure consciousness, <laughs> you know, just watching my friends get up and say, you know, I'd like to show a few slides honouring Anthony's life, but, but first I thought I'd just show you my updated showreel. Have some new sh- new scenes from a part I had. Um, we and, s- and wouldn't you hate them if you you'd hate it if they got big laughs, wouldn't you? Come That'd on. be terrible. That'd be terrible <laughs> from the grave. You know, I, I guess you could say I would have died, uh, <laughs> and they'd be killing them. But uh, <laughs> you know, they'd be they'd all be there. Come on, Rebecca, admit it. You know, Muso friends, they'd, they'd be singing some songs. Then they'd say, "Oh, um, we actually have a CD for sale, and uh, it's just next to the coffin. Just step over Anthony's rotting corpse, and there's an F-POS machine you can use. <laughs> Tommy, do you, what would attract your relatives and friends well, here? Well, first off, I have to say, I didn't even know you could have strippers at a funeral, and now I want to go to more funerals. <laughs> In rural China. Yeah. That's where I have to go. It's worth it. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't think, I don't think it, it's a very rare relationship that you can say to your wife, I'm going to the strip club. But if I'm going to a funeral... Oh, the excitement of that. That's the third funeral this week, right. Tom. <laughs> I can't friends believe are I know. Like what is going on? What's like going a plague on? Or something, something in the water. I want to pay yeah, my respects. When you come home, you always you're so happy. <laughs> what fun! What fun it would be! I was trying to imagine where it comes in the funeral. I spent a lot of time this week thinking about this story. <laughs> so, like, would the pole be right on the casket? Like, would you dance on the casket? <laughs> Because, you know, like in American, I don't know if American, like in Western tradition, you know, to, to say that you're going to dance on somebody's grave is quite a negative thing, but uh. if you're going to pole dance on it. <laughs> it's a whole new yeah. uh, perspective. On, Six uh... feet deep may not be enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's... <laughs> <laughs> Particularly a saucy edition oh, of TJF. Yeah, it's that made me laugh. We, we've, we've been <laughs> taken off course by Barnaby. I think all the sex, sex this whole thing about raising the dead. But forget yeah. it. Yeah. You know, we've covered it. Now, are you ready for the wheel of death? The wheel, the wheel of How death. How appropriate. When, when our, our lovely audience came in here, and if you want to join the audience to TJF, it's, it's, it's the price is very good, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's free. Uh, all you've got to do is, is Google the words TGIF, ABC, and you'll find out who's coming up and how to but, get your uh, Richard, free... if we're having t- the wheel of death, yes. surely someone should strip. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it's and only you're fair. the host, after all. So. <laughs> it's only, the, only fair. Yes, if the first three rows could move back. Um, uh, here, are the, here are the titles. Uh, chewing gum, affair, rubbish, jam, aquatic... 
Igloo, winter swimmers, lemons, water, eth- ethics, zombies, teacher, possum and donkey. Rebecca Day Unamuno, yes. what fills you full of fear? Ethics always fills me with fear because <laughs> it's a fine line. I could reveal a bit about myself. <laughs> <laughs> round and round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Today's topic... It did this last week. I do not have magnets. It is ethics, though. I'm terribly sorry. It is ethics. Damn it. Every time I say it. All right. All right. Okay. Ethics. Ethics. (laughs) Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first meeting of the Canberra Parliamentarians Ethics Club. (laughs) I'd like to thank all three of you for turning up. Because as we know, once word spreads about this good cause that we're hoping to achieve here in this classroom every Thursday night, then it will uh, attract many others, I'm sure. Uh, Barnaby will be joining us for his keynote address later (laughs) in the evening. Uh, We've got some lemons uh, lined up for him so he can suck on a few. (laughs) And uh, we've got some possums in his roof that will be bothering him for quite some time. Now, I'd like to firstly draw your attention to the fact we're just going to use it in terms, I think, that we don't want to be too overt. We're just going to use euphemisms, I think, for the... Yeah, why not set yourself that challenge, Rebecca? We're going to speak... <laughs> we're going to speak in euphemisms for the rest of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. And the first thing I'd like to talk about is, gentlemen, when you take your little engine <laughs> and you pop it in a tunnel... <laughs> The most important thing that you should remember is if that station is actually open for operations that day. You should also pay attention to whether or not you have too many carriages to fit on the platform. If you wish to work overtime, for some of you, you're pushing that age, may I suggest a little blue pill? I can't name it. This is euphemism time. (laughs) The second thing I'd like to refer to is if you are, in fact, betrothed to another, as in shacked up and live with them and do you do and all that kind of hoo-ha, then may I suggest that you don't stray from that path and take your nasturtiums and try and splice them with Agnes's gladioli. The third point we'd like to bring up in this very short initial meeting, because (laughs) Barnaby's out there, he's chomping at the bit to let you know how he's doing. I'd just like to say that if you do get caught, as they would say, with your pants down, there's a few things to remember. That your face, as it grows in deeper and deeper embarrassment, will turn a dark shade of crimson. But as in Barnaby's case, he's come back in, he's had a new head printed on the 3D printer (laughs) because his only with just a simple, uh, you know, a little bit of anger can go the red, red, just like you, sir. Right now I can (laughs) see it and it exploded. Uh, So just be wary of that. And uh, finally... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, spread the word. Ethics is back in a big way. Um, I love ethics. Um, It's a shit topic for the wheel of death, but (laughs) I love it. Thank you and good night. There's Rebecca. Who suggested it? Who suggested it? 
Who suggested I don't mean it was that was a terrible judgment call. I'm so sorry. It wasn't your fault. Back to Long Bay. It wasn't your fault. A poor cook blames their tools, yes. He probably meant Essex, as in the county. Oh, I've got heaps about that. What did you say at Clearer? Put done it for hours. Call. Uh, now, the, uh, the, people, the people who own Bunnings have experienced a financial disaster over their attempt to expand the brand to the UK. Uh, they revealed this week they've lost over a billion dollars in the attempt to bring the brand to the UK. It turns out that the Brits are not that interested in doing DIY jobs around the house. And as for sprucing up the garden, this is true financial story. The Bunnings people apparently forgot to factor in the British weather. They didn't <laughs> look it up. Uh, are you a fan of DIY and how can we convince the Brits to give it a go and save this Australian yeah. company, Tommy? No, I am not a fan of DIY. And secondly, I'm a little bit in, uh, it's a little bit embarrassing for Bunnings because, you know, they still have castles, 1500s. What? <laughs> what? They have castles. They have hey, hey, the hey. point is they haven't really been renovating in Europe for like... <laughs> <laughs> 500 years. They just keep living in the same stuff. They don't don't all live in castles. I'm just saying they're there. (laughs) But the drainage in the East Wing is terrible. Nobody wants to fix that place up. You can't fix it up. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fan. I do not. The only reason I go to Bunnings, as we pointed out earlier, sausage sizzle. That's fair enough. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, British... Bunnings had sausage and mash, bangers and mash. Mm-hmm. Make it more, you know, mm. local. It still didn't work. It wouldn't work, because why would you go? There's nothing, there's nothing in there but confusion and anger and stuff you don't want to do. <laughs> in triplicate. <laughs> I do not want to mow my lawn, but I have to mow my lawn, so I had to get a mower, so I went to Bunnings. Do you know how many different kinds of mowers there are? Lots. Two, too many. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is lots, too. <laughs> too many. Why just, too many mowers. How do you decide? If you've never mowed a lawn, how can you know? I don't even know how many strokes an engine is supposed to have. <laughs> Neither does a Barnaby. I know. <laughs> Another image, damn it. <laughs> Four. It's 97. There are 90. The only reason I, I swear, they, I, the only thing I love about Bunnings, besides the sausage sizzle, is uh, every time I go in there, I look up some weird little screw, mm-hmm. and then when I come in, there's always the lovely person who meets you at the door, mm-hmm. and I ask him, uh, where can I find it? Where can you find a Todget, Rich? Yeah. Where, where would be a Todget widget? <laughs> and they always know. It is so good. Well, that's aisle 67. <laughs> okay, then. And she's right, because I'm always ahead on the question. Uh-huh. So, well, how are we going to convince this, this, this noble Australian company is losing money so terribly? How are we going to save them and convince the Brits to... To use Bunnings, Anthony. Uh, I, listen, I, I can't. I'm totally with Tommy on this. And there is, the, I was channel surfing, there was a, a, a British program about renovating castles. There's a whole program about <laughs> well, it. See, they're just starting. They're <laughs> yeah. just starting on the castle. We should have thought of that a few hundred years yeah. ago. Yeah. 500 more years till they get to the brownstones. Listen, no, I'm totally with Tommy. I'm not a fan of DIY. I'm a fan of D-D-I-Y-G-S-O-S-T-D-I. Don't do it yourself. Get some other sucker to do it for you. Freaks like Richard Glover, who actually enjoy this I, crap. I like it. I like it. I'm there all the time. Yeah, In all 16, 17, 18. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. The two words I fear the most are self-assembly. <laughs> I hate that. Like, Ikea is like the seventh ring of hell for me. You know, who is Alan? Why does he have his own key? 
<laughs> and all it opens is heartbreak. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't. Why do you have to assemble things? You know, you go and you buy a car. They give you a whole car, not a bag full of parts. <laughs> you know, do your best. You know, we're not beavers, we're not bowerbirds, we're not, you know, European red ants. We have evolved as a species to be human beings who have the right to shirk responsibility, to be incompetent, and to get some other sucker to assemble things that we can't. <laughs> You've got a lot of anthem about you today. You're wow. Anthony Ackroyd. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, how are you going to convince the so Brits to, to take well, up DIY? I love DIY. What? I adore Bunnings. I went there for my birthday two years ago. My parents said, what do you want to do? And I thought, I just want you to take me to Bunnings because I don't drive and I needed to load up the car. I love it. I get gift cards. Oh, look, just... Ladies and gentlemen, just imagine, just close your eyes for a moment and just imagine this, you know... It's a world of endless possibility. I'm seeing Barnaby. Or inspiring aisles that stretch as far as the eye can see. People who once worked as tradies, now sharing their knowledge with those who wish they were. A symphony of surprises as you discover that they do actually make battery-operated outdoor lights where your gift cards never expire. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, is there no better place? Are you now convinced? You know, see, look, yeah. some have taken their pants off, but others, <laughs> others are planning on going to Bunnings. It's, oh, uh, look, I'm uh, doing my backyard up at the moment, my little courtyard, I've got a tiny little courtyard, and I've had all the stuff in the spare room that's all from, from Bunnings, and it's um, still there. Uh, it's about, you know, uh, been over a year and a half yeah. now. So whilst I love DIY... Wait till it, get ex- wait, wait till it gets exposed to the weather exactly, for a moment, and it's, right. all the chipboard swells and I the know. cane breaks up, and you realise you've just brought a whole ute load of rubbish. Oh. <laughs> How do you decide, though? <laughs> like, I had to rescreen. This is the only DIY thing I've done in the last year. I had to rescreen a screen door. Uh, and then at first I had to l- learn the word spline. What? Spline. I'm sorry. That's please like spline. Spline. Yes, please like spline. Oh, spline. 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 Spline, uh, in any other reference, would be a piece of rubber tube. But when employed to screen a door or a window, it's spline. Huh. It's the spline, and it comes. So this in. is what you're, you're trying to put the fly wire back into the frame because it's come loose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the rubber bits that you yeah, press know, down yeah, into yeah. the track, yeah, exactly, uh, which is called the corridor. Yeah, uh, that's the, the spline, and there's a spline tool, <laughs> a spline tool, which is uh, basically a handle with a wheel on it. Yeah, which has both a convex and a concave side. For various spline issues that may arise yeah. as you work around but the you fly. Just push the, you push the rubber. You just into push the... it in the hole. Yeah. Well, what's so hard about that? Well, there's six different spline tools, <laughs> ranging from a dollar fifty to twenty five dollars. Yeah, well, you buy the second cheapest, Tommy. Everyone knows that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the twenty five dollar one had a self feeding tunnel for the spline to go through, uh, so that seemed more advanced. Yeah. Oh, I think that's um, a made up word. Spline comes I've in two different sizes, and there's a third player in the market which is made of a soft <laughs> foam that expands to the corridor as needed. Um, and it's a little bit easier to push in. And uh, the handles range from a variety of uh, extruded plastic to uh, natural wood. Yeah. So I have a mahogany <laughs> spline tool. <laughs> the main question, Tommy, spline. is why are you trying to keep the flies out, mate? Aren't you an Australian? 
It's not. <laughs> Please I'm, explain. No, no. If, it was, if it was like a tiny hole with the flies were getting, I was trying to keep the dog in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're seeing like a small tear. There was like no screen. It was just a aluminum frame with some tattered edges. Uh, and they sell it by the mile. Like it's on a, it's like a, like a mile, like a wheel. They just pull it off and measure it, and then who? That that's. So is, is much it the fly are you screen? Are you talking about the fly screen or the, the spline? The fly screen itself. The <laughs> spline is endless. <laughs> well, technically, it tends to come in 13-meter packages. Apparently, 13 meters is your traditional need. We've learned more about fly wire. I learned more about. <laughs> that is how much I had to know to do a job that ended up taking me like two days. <laughs> Get a man in. Well, no, the, the woman that taught me on YouTube, she could do it in like four minutes. <laughs> With absolutely no pressure. That was the amazing part. Like, I found that I really had to push, but she just, like, just, ooh, look at that. Boom, it's done. Isn't that simple? It's so simple. I'm going to go do it myself. Thank you, Carolyn. So is Carolyn, is her profession a splain explainer? Oh, she's a spline splainer. Yeah. <laughs> she's a spline splainer. Who are the winners and losers of this week, Rebecca Day Unamuna? Uh, my winners this week are the young people of the United States who have stood up and yeah. said no more. Yeah. Um, Aren't they great? Yeah. Uh, for, for that, there was one speech that was just, just blew me away, and it, it's the first time in weeks, months, possibly a year, where I've had a real sense of hope. You know, like you just go, oh my goodness, I think we're okay. I think we might be in safe hands with this next generation. Not that I'm dissing the younger generation. They just haven't really had the opportunity to, to mm. step up and this is their time and I'm so proud. I, ha- I, had, one of the, I had one of the kids on the, on the radio Great. and her dad sent me an email and said, I was so proud of my daughter, you know? Oh, and that, and exactly. she, was so, she, lost, she lost one of her best friends in, in, in it all and she was just so kind of determined to channel that grief and try to do something. And you do, I don't mean to be sort of too hopeful about it, but you do remember that time right at the beginning of the anti-Vietnam War protest when it was the young people who led it yep. and they ended up convincing the rest of the country. Yep. So, you know, maybe. 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 There's ho- well, there's hope for the first time in a while, isn't there? There's a glimmer of hope. And, um, and my loser... And, and if, if that doesn't work... Um, the teachers? Oh, that's my loser of the week. Yeah. My loser of the week is that exact comment. I mean, honestly, as if teachers don't get enough of a, a battering for the job that they do. They don't get enough money. They work tireless hours. They are having to work with social conditions that aren't always conducive to learning. They're having to work with issues within the classroom that, you know, no parent would have suffer as It would much, have made me know? concentrate during math, so. It was, true. <laughs> well, imagine true. he was, like, literally, like, cancelling the X in the Variable exactly, shooting it off the exactly. blackboard. And wagging would be really tricky. But yeah, that, that comment was just um, outrageous, outrageous from the sublime to the absolute ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I did exactly the same thing, Rebecca. The, the young people, absolutely incredible to see that happening. And the loser of the week has got to be Donald Trump. You know, I mean, every week, but particularly this week. Because <laughs> when he, see, when he met with the kids, he had to take his own cheat sheet of notes. <laughs> You know, number one, remember to act like a human being. <laughs> Check hair in the camera lens, reflection for slippage. <laughs> Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> and there, I, I this is true, isn't it? People had a photograph of this and yeah. it said yeah, at the end... Yeah, cheat sheet. And, and, and the, the last point was, you know, sort of... Um, say I hear you. Say I hear you. And the thing on arming teachers, ladies and gentlemen, I was taught by Christian brothers <laughs> and I am so glad they didn't have guns, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
But on the on the hilarious, uh, you know, I love the way the universe works. Sometimes on the same hilarious uh, principle, uh, there uh, just at the exact same time they're saying arm the teachers. Uh, there was a story out of the states where uh, there is a school that doesn't have a rule about whether or not the teachers can bring weapons if they're allowed to have weapons. So there was a 63-year-old uh, teacher who had his uh, uh, holstered pistol with him at school and then went to the public bathroom, uh, took it off, um, and accidentally left it behind. And then the 8-year-old kids oh, found wow. his loaded pistol wow. in the gun. So just a lovely little very quick lesson of what can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing happened bad, uh, yeah. but well, Other could than have found a yeah, pistol could. in the back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was terrible. Uh, and to be very selfish, uh, in the winner's stage, uh, today is the 23rd of February, 2018. And my beautiful twin daughters, this is their birthday today. They turned 13 years old. Aww. And uh, I'm so excited. You poor, poor man. No, what I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about it because as we talk about youth, I think that, you know, I do have a great hope for the youth. And mm-hmm. I am really uh, looking forward uh, to texting with them. <laughs> to see how their birthday went. Yeah. It's such a coincidence to have a birthday on the same day. That's that's. Really I know it's really. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah, thirteen. Wow. Can I acknowledge my daughters in the audience today, ladies and gentlemen? She is one of the young people who are creating the future. Brody Ackroyd, give her a round of applause. Hey! Don't start a campaign. Stop a war. Exactly. Change oh, the world. I used to protest when I was at uni, and I really want to do it again. Who's with me? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's protest my lack of men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, oh, to finish the most beautiful it. thing that I have seen: uh, Winter Olympics. The gold medalist in the ice dancing a couple of days ago. A Canadian couple been skating together for twenty years. The most decorated skating dance team in the history of skate dance. Uh, the most amazing routine ever. And her name is Tessa Virtue. It's the greatest name ever. Uh, her partner is Scott Moyer. And go watch it. It's based on Roxanne from the Mulan soundtrack. Well, and it is stunning. Tessa Virtue, Tony <laughs> Dean, Rebecca Day, Unamuno, and Anthea Croy. Thank you for being part of Thank God It's Friday next week. Tommy will be back with Gary Eck and Gene Kitson. Music from Kevin Bennett and The Flood. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. Thank God it's Friday! Yeah!